Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Okay, today's sermon text is from Matthew 5, 1 through 6. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to Matthew in your Bible. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. That's the word of the Lord for us today. Well, we've been, uh, we've been looking at um, the Gospel of Matthew, and for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be in uh, what's known as the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we're going to kind of look through those. Uh, a couple of things, though, are important. Um, a lot of times, we'll look at the Sermon on the Mount and things like the Beatitudes, and we'll, we'll, we'll be tempted to take two different tracks. One is to... Um, over-spiritualize the whole deal and to think that, you know, this only, this only applies to the super-spiritual Christians who have been Christians for a long time and he can do everything correctly. Because there's a lot of really, there's a lot of really tough things in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and uh, so we might say, well, I'm, I will never be super-Christian like that and so it just doesn't apply to me. The other trap that we might fall into is that um, we might just begin to believe that the things that Jesus says and tells us to do are impractical. Like, well, that really, it really doesn't work that way, as I've, I've had someone tell to me before. Um, but I want us to, to kind of uh, sit with it a little bit, and, and we're going to hear a little bit of my own translation as we go through the next couple of weeks that will hopefully bring out the, what Jesus is saying in a, in a way that is clear that might make us, help us anyway, to look at these passages of scripture a little more deeply. Um, and so we'll, we'll have that today. But I wanna set uh, the context kind of for the Beatitudes for us anyway, and the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, we're gonna look at the first couple of Beatitudes. We're calling these the Beatitudes of Grace. So that's a pretty, pretty specific theme for, for today. Um, but I want us to understand uh, what we're going to read today in light of what we talked about last week specifically. Um, we talked last week that um, after Jesus' wilderness testing and things like that, uh, Matthew quotes a passage of scripture saying, you know, like the people have sat in a great darkness and, and Jesus is coming. He's basically this great light. And uh, we imagined what it was like to sit in a really, really dark room that we might get used to it, but we... We may even know like the pieces of furniture in it, um, but we don't really know the room and its fullness and its detail. Or we said it was like uh, when you sit out in the woods and you're hunting and it's that, that time right before uh, the dawn comes and it's really, really dark and you, and you can kind of see things and you might start to imagine what things look like, but you really don't know the landscape for what it is until the sun comes up and, and the light reveals everything. 
Uh, well, I've said last week, though, that we, are, well, the world is kind of like the sitting in darkness, and Jesus comes to bring this light to expose for us all of the beauty that is inherent in our world, all of the goodness and grace, that the things that God has created, um, the people and the places uh, in all of its goodness. But it also comes to expose for us uh, the way things are in the way they shouldn't be, Right? So if it, it shows us all the good and, and wonderfulness that God has intended for creation, uh, it also shows us our sinfulness and its brokenness uh, and the ways in which uh, the world is not the way that, that God has created it or intended it to be. So I think, I think with that image in mind, um, what Jesus is going to, to say for the rest of the couple of weeks is, well, it's, it's an illumination. Uh, it is helping us understand the way that the world should work. It's helping us understand the way that God is remaking the world to become. Uh, we'll hear phrases like the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And uh, we've got to define that first. And one of my favorite ways of defining it is the ways the things should be. Okay? Uh, the way the, the world should be, as opposed to the way it is right now, right? So the kingdom of heaven is where God reigns supreme, or the kingdom of God is where everything is as God would like it to be. And we say, with Jesus coming and bringing the light, uh, that the kingdom of God has begun here on earth as it is in heaven. But yet it's not fully, fully realized right yet. While God is bringing hope and healing and restoration and salvation, we can see those things beginning to happen. We give testimony to them all the time. But that the world is not yet completely all that it could be. And so what Jesus will say in the next couple of weeks is uh, the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, uh, these are going to be the things that characterize what it means to be faithful and obedient in the kingdom of God. Uh, and he begins kind of with uh, some preliminary words. Um, I want to read, though, uh, we'll, show, we'll show all of them uh, as we go through it, but I want to read kind of my own little translation. It's, it's really kind of a paraphrase, expanding. One of the commentators that I found super helpful for this particular section of Matthew, in fact, all of Matthew, um, has helped me kind of put this together. Uh, so some of it's my own, some of it's kind of this commentator. So, uh, and we'll read all of them as we go today, I'm going to read all of them for you, and then we'll do the next half tomorrow or next week. So just kind of hear and listen. Uh, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessings on the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessings on those who are devastatingly brokenhearted, for they will be comforted. Blessings on the insignificant little people, for they will inherit the earth. Blessings on those who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessings on those who are steadfastly loyal and loving, for they will receive steadfast loyalty and love. Blessings on those who watch and ponder what God says and replace their own ideas with the ways of God, for they will see God. Blessings on those who seek peace well-being and wholeness for the whole world, for they will be called children of God. Blessings on those who are subject to 
<clears throat> ill treatment, <clears throat> excuse me, banishment or rejection for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessings on you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way that they persecuted the prophets who were before you, uh, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Um, One of the things I I think is super important and what I I see as uh, probably the the most important thing that is happening here in this first part of the Beatitudes is the fact that before, before Jesus tells us anything, before Jesus gives us any commands about how to live uh, in the world, the kingdom of God, that Jesus first recognizes where we are and extends to us grace, right? So I, as I tried to, to define that for our, us and our kids, that grace is a, it is a gift that we didn't deserve. It's something that we, we just didn't deserve. Um, maybe it's getting something we didn't deserve. Or maybe it means also not getting something we did deserve. Uh, kind of two poles to that. Um, we've been talking the last couple of weeks too. Um, and, and for a lot of reasons, that conversation we had a couple of weeks ago with April continues to be in my head. Um, I, I, this grace uh, lets us start where we are. Like we had said in, in that conversation that, that part of uh, what we hope is that we see people and we see them in their brokenness or we even see ourselves in our own brokenness and we recognize our sinfulness in other people and we say where they are is okay. And we don't make them conform to being everything that we want them to be before we accept them as a part of our, well, as a part of our faith. Uh, that we say, you are where you are in this journey of life. I don't know where it's leading you, but I want to walk with you as we discover what it is that God is only trying to do in us and through us for the sake of, uh, for our sake and for the sake of the world around us. And so I think um, if we take the Jesus coming as the light and he exposes us where we are and before, not that it gives us permission to be where we are, to remain there, uh, but it gives us permission to be okay with the fact that we are not everything we, we should be at this particular moment. I, I was trying to put words to this a little earlier and, and kind of paradoxically, it, it's comforting. Uh, a confidence maybe a confidence in in the fact that like i am where i am in my walk my faith and i don't have to pretend to be something i'm not it it means that i can be honest and open about uh the things that i struggle with uh, recognizing that that god's grace is drawing me deeper and farther to help me to be more than i am right now. So uh, that's, where, that's where these particular Beatitudes start. Blessings on the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, a couple of things. I've, I've translated this blessings because um, it's, and we had some conversation in Bible study about this, uh, because it's present tense. 
I guess in my mind, I think blessed is being past tense. It may not necessarily be past tense. Um, but that, that, and this is kind of informs all of that. This is what's happening to us now, that, that Jesus is coming to us who are poor in spirit, in, in our brokenness and all of that, uh, here and now. Um, that it is a continuous, present thing that God is giving to us. And, and how I understand what blessings mean or what blessed means, is that, that it is a promise of God to be with us and to be for us continually. That whatever you might think of as being a blessing, uh, money, a house, a job, a family, those are all blessings. That's not necessarily what Jesus is talking about here and now. I think when Jesus says blessings on you who are and then fill in the blank he's saying especially this one um, that where you are is where I am going to be too that that will be the same here today and it will be the same tomorrow and the next day and every day going forward does that make sense now uh, th- there's a there's a temptation with these um, to, to make these all spiritual. Uh, Matthew's gospel says poor in spirit. Luke's gospel will say just blessed are the poor. Um, I think when we go either way, just mainly physical or mainly spiritual, we, we kind of lose, well, we lose the totality of what God is trying to do. Because I think poor in spirit means not only like in our poverty spiritually, right? Uh, that we are sinners and broken and like Nothing we do can earn God's love, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but it also means our desperate brokenness. Um, that it means that, like, our, well, things are bad, but yet we have this confidence and hope and this promise from God that God is with us in the midst of that poverty, whatever that is, spiritual, physical, all of that. I, th- I, think, um, I think part of what, what's happening here in, in the context, and, and uh, Laura helped me understand this this morning in Bible study, uh, that in the context of what Jesus is saying, he's talking to the people of Israel, right? So God's people. And one of the things that, that they thought was that once they had everything all lined out, that, that God would send the Messiah and they would be saved and it would kind of just be for them. That's not how it started. That's not how God wanted them to understand what God was going to do with them. Uh, but they would have a very narrow understanding of who God's salvation was for, and it was only for, like, God's people. Uh, and, and they would add to that, that that the way you knew that God had blessed you was if you were healthy and happy and uh, materially doing well. I won't say rich, but... Uh, definitely, if there was a rich person, they would have thought, this person is righteous, God has blessed them. And, and so they, they were hoping that once they got all their stuff together, that in their richness, God would come and bring about salvation. And Jesus is doing, well, he's flipping the script. Uh, he's saying, in fact, uh, your understanding of who gets blessings from God who gets salvation is too narrow. It's too small. 
I'm saying that all the people that you think because of their brokenness, of their sinfulness, because of their uh, poverty spiritually and, and physically that, that I am coming to be with them even though they don't have everything figured out. That's why I think this begins with grace, right? Uh, because God comes not just to Israel, not just to the people who read this, but to us in our inadequacies and in our poverty. That God's promise of being with us and for us is not conditioned upon how well we do or what we have. Okay. Uh, So the poor in spirit are those who are down and out in various ways. Um, Yet those who seek, despite their circumstances, to cling to the hope that God is working even in their pitiful state. Um, So we'll go on. Blessings on those who are devastatingly brokenhearted, uh, for they will be comforted. Um, I've translated devastatingly brokenhearted because I think mourn, um, I think that it's too narrow, right? So we mourn for people who die or, or pass away uh, and, or for changes in situations and, and things like that. But it, but it that seems very small to me. I, I think devastatingly brokenhearted is, well, I think it speaks to our condition more often uh, than we probably like to admit. I don't know about you, uh, but there have been times when I have been uh, in such anguish uh, that I have been unable to articulate the depths of my pain. Uh, I, perhaps you felt that same way. I, I've had mornings, not recently, uh, but in the past, where I've woken up and I've been like, whoa, what fresh hell is awaiting me today? <laughs> you know, when you open up email and there it is, or whatever. I, I, I think this was a lot of people's spot in, in Jesus' day, but I think this, this speaks to the fact that God understands and knows like, where we are. Uh, that, that when we are, we are so hurt for whatever reason, maybe it's our own sinfulness, maybe it's uh, just the fact that our bodies break, maybe it's the sinfulness of other people's, that God promises to be with us and for us always. God's presence, even though we know that the world is not yet what it should be, that we have this hope that God is restoring things here and now and for the future. We're offered this promise and we are required to do nothing, perhaps only to acknowledge our deep pain. But I think in acknowledging our poverty, the last one, and our deep pain in this one, that it, that it helps us turn and rely on the strength of God uh, to get us through. And maybe the strength of the people who love us in the faith as well. I think this sets us up actually for the next one, which is blessings on the insignificant little people, the meek, for they will inherit the earth. 
Um, I, I think we have a, a like Warren, I think Meek maybe is a little, a little small in our understanding. Or we might think that meekness is, is bad. Like uh, uh, we talked about it in terms of like submission, right? Uh, for a long time, and, and in some cultures today, like women are supposed to be submissive to, to whatever men think that they should be doing, right? I don't think that's what uh, meekness or what Jesus is trying to communicate here. It's not that kind of uh, just submit to somebody regardless of, of whatever they're saying. I think a perfect example of meekness is Jesus at his trial, right? So he's been, uh, he's been beaten and, and abused and he's standing before, be, uh, before Pilate and, uh, and Jesus could argue and he could fight. He'd be like, you know, you got this all wrong, uh, whatever. Uh, but he steadfastly stands there in confidence, uh, knowing that, that even though he's going to suffer, uh, that God is going to vindicate him. I think what it means to be meek is to stand in our situations and to, and to give up maybe our right to always feel like we need to bring about our own salvation. To, to fight for ourselves in, in ways that might be inappropriate that, that, that doesn't allow us to rely on what, well, what God is doing in that situation. Blessings on the insignificant little people for they will inherit the meat or they will inherit the earth. Um, I think this requires a quiet confidence that God is at work here and now. We'll go forward. This is the last one we'll do today. Blessings on those who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness, for those for they will be filled. Uh, Again, I've, I've tr- changed hunger and thirst into hungering and thirst, uh, thirst, yeah, thirsting. Thirstering? Thirstering is not right, right? Hungering and thirsting. Like, if you are hungry, if you are thirsty, uh, I like it because it's, it's active. It's a little more active, right? It's not just hunger. Uh, if you are hungry or thirsty, it means that you have not yet had your fill of water or food. I find this, I find this remarkable. Uh, that, that God is saying, Jesus is saying at this very moment, I promise to be with you always. I promise to, to, to be with you and for you always, even when you fail to be righteous in the way that you should be. I guess we should define righteous too. And righteousness is right, right relationships, right relatedness. It has dimensions of our right relatedness to God in, in our uh, love and care for, for God. And it has uh, significant dimensions in our relationships with each other. Uh, I firmly believe that it's impossible to be righteous like in terms of our relationship with God without being righteous with our relationships to one another. Uh, in the same way that, that we say, I don't know that you can love God with all that you have if you are not loving your neighbor. 
But at this point, at the very beginning of this sermon, Jesus says, you are not righteous. You have not been filled with righteousness yet. And yet, I promise to be with you and for you in your unrighteousness. Um, now, we'll get to this next week. But I fully believe that these are kind of, they're cyclical, right? Like, Jesus doesn't expect that, that in our uh, brokenheartedness or in our poverty or in our uh, hungering and thirsting for righteousness, that that's where we stay. Uh, what I think that, that this part specifically, and, and it'll come out later next week, is that the things that we have been given, the grace that we receive at this very first part, the first word, that it doesn't stay with us, we don't stockpile it for ourselves, but that we become a channel through which God's grace then flows to the people around us. Uh, so that we might, we might look at our friends or our family, our coworkers, and see them in the same way that God has seen us. That we might say to those um, around us, blessings on you and your poorness of spirit and mind and body. I will come along and be with you and for you. And you just have to live. Or blessings on you for uh, I'm, I'm forgetting all of these already. Look at that. Uh, blessings on you in your brokenheartedness. In, in your devastation that knows no words because I am going to be with you and for you. Uh, think back to those times where you have not been able to articulate, articulate your pain in your devastatingly heart brokenness. My guess is that you got through that time because somebody came and said, I'm going to be with you and for you until the pain passes, until the waves quit crashing. This is the grace that we have been given. This is the grace that we then must give to others. Uh, blessings on the insignificant little people. I think this allows us to say, who are the people uh, with us and around us who are unable who are unable to do for themselves what needs to be done. Uh, this could be things of uh, oppression and justice or, or people who are just physically unable to, to care for themselves or mentally unable to care for themselves. We're called to give that same grace. Blessings on those who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness, for they will be filled. I think our prime responsibility. Uh, as we minister to those who are in need in all kinds of ways, one is, is to confess that we don't have it all together too. But that as we, we talk and interact and try to bear witness to the grace that we have received, 
that we say to people who don't have it all together, I don't have it all together either. I need your help. You need mine. Let's learn how to be Christian together. I think that's what God is calling us to. That the grace we receive is now the grace that we should give to those around us. I think, though, um, and maybe, maybe this needs to be said, maybe it doesn't, I don't know. I think, though, we, we have to understand, and this is maybe one of the things that I struggled with, is that you don't have to be these things uh, to be a Christian, right? You, you don't have to be devastatingly brokenhearted for God to work in your life. But I, th- I think as we, as we looked at these, and especially in the way that we frame them today, that we can identify the times we have been these things and we've seen the grace of God in our lives. I think it propels us then to do just what we've said, to give the grace we have received from others. Uh, we're going to receive the Lord's Supper in a, in a little bit. And, and I think if there is ever a reminder of grace, of us receiving what we did not deserve, forgiveness and healing and restoration, while we were, you know, enemies with God, it is, it is this meal. So as you come forward to receive this today, uh, I want you to think and pray. I want you to give thanks to God for his grace in the midst of all of those moments in your life. And as you give thanks uh, to God for that grace, I want you to ask God who it is that you might now be able to give grace to. Who is poor in spirit, body and mind? Who around you is devastatingly brokenhearted? Who around you is insignificant and maybe needing care? Who around you needs that relationship, that relatedness between God and themselves fixed and between them and each other fixed? How might you be agents of God's grace to those folks in those situations? Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.